T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Shane and Chris really dig into this draft. It's time for Poles Position. The Bears have the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The Chicago Bears are on the clock. What will Ryan Poles do with the number one pick? We're going to evaluate the draft class, and I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away. We're counting down the days to the NFL Draft. How about the number one pick with the Bears? Are you ready for people to start questioning whether you're the, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears next I mean, year? I am. I would trade Justin Fields. I'm Justin Fields all the way. I love the kids. What I'm hearing out of Chicago is they're in the package him up, trade him for some other pieces, and then go with the Bryce kid from Alabama. Wow, I did not know that. That's a good, that's a good old insight right there. There's many things you can do. Uh, um, yeah, a trade back. So um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter <laughs> The Bears would be absolutely insane yeah. to trade you. Put your pom-poms down in Chicago. He's not a star. Holds position with Parkins and Spiegel on 6 The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. We did it. Bulls position. The name stuck. And of course, yeah, Danny. Congratulations. <laughs> Danny named it. Of course. We did it for like, what, 10 days? Something like that. Show? Listener Brad. One more time. All right. Yeah. Brad. Good job, Brady. Mr. Brad. Brady, Brady. <laughs> He gave us Paul's position. It only took like uh, four days to, for us to agree to keep it. And now Tanny's got an open and we got a thing. And thankfully, we got, a thing. We got what, three months to go here? I don't know. Two yeah, months? Yeah, I think like 60 something days, 62, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot of days. It's a lot of days. We don't have shows on all those days. We're not going to do this on a Saturday or Sunday. We're not yeah. crazy. Well, that's why Tanny I'm unveiling. And I do. We, we do a little phone call, a little private phone call. We that's talk when about all it. the digging occurs. Yeah, <laughs> that's when Tanny and Chris dig into the draft. Well, yes. <laughs> Here's the deal. Those guys, Shane is going to debut his top. Top 60 Blackhawks players of the last 20 years. And it's the, the most impressive thing is I only know about four of them. <laughs> and he's doubling up today. Or maybe tomorrow. We don't know yet. Or, or <laughs> Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm going to double up. I'm Today's not sure. the double up. I'm doubling up today. 25 and 24 on my list of the top 30 ball players of the last 30 baseball seasons at 440. Got my top 40 Chicago Sky players starting next month. So hey, tune into that. That's Lawrence's bit. 6.05 p.m. You get away. That's Lawrence's bit. I got to say, is Tanny the only person whose hard work actually shows in the product of the show? Because we all work pretty hard at it. But sometimes it's like, oh, we're going to get there. It'll be, it'll, we'll get to two guys tomorrow or the next day or the next day. What? No. I'm putting myself. I'm putting a thumb. Our hard work shows when we okay. know stuff. 
You know? I don't know what I'm saying. We, we, ju- we just listed off three or four things of not naming the segment, listing off the we'll, – we'll get to the double up at some point. <laughs> I make mistakes all the time. Taney has a whole page of things of me, me saying dumb stuff. You know, we, we – we were an ishy show. Danny, yeah. do you think anyone could put Richard Roper, Ron Coomer, and, Bre- and Don Cooper on the same show? Seriously. That's some hard work, man. No, I right. send text messages all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Your work does show shame. That's a good point. That's a good point. Fine. Only me. Only me. It's all natural. Um, you wanted to talk about Peter Skaronsky today. I did. Because you read Dan Pompey's profile and we had Peter Skaronsky on, yeah. so it hadn't even really dawned on me that he could be a, a topic for Paul's position. But, of course, the Bears general manager, the former offensive lineman, is going to spend a ton of time considering whether or not he should trade down in the first round and select a franchise left tackle when we know he's been at Northwestern games. He scouted the kid locally. He yeah. would be a popular, well-liked, received story. And uh, they need a franchise left tackle. So Peter Skaronsky is today's subject to Paul's position. Because, I, I yes, and I, I thought what Dan Pompey brought to this, if anyone hasn't read it, make, it a, make a point to if you care about football um, and if it, it, there's just – and history, there's so much there. Because I, I, everybody knows, I think, that Peter Skaronsky's grandfather was Bart Starr's left tackle for the Green Bay Packers. Peter Skaronsky's father – was a tackle at Yale for four years. Peter Skaronsky has wanted to be a tackle to be like his grandfather, Zjadzi, in Polish, since he was like four years old. He has wanted to do this. He is born to do this. And She it, says Jaja in Polish, that means grandpa. Jaja. Okay, there we go. Thank you. That helps me. But the piece itself is beautiful. It is personal. It's filled with detailed history. It's downright spiritual because Dan is a religious guy and Dan and Peter have a bond through Peter's father and the church they both attended. They were in multiple church groups together. Dan and Peter's father, Bob Jr., coached a couple different teams together. Peter was on one of those teams. So we happen to have literally a Hall of Fame football writer who has covered the Bears and this division for decades, who knows this kid intimately and admits in the piece that he's not going to be objective. He's like, I'm, I, I really, I like this kid. I'm, I'm not going to be able to be objective here. He's known him since he was a baby. Correct, yeah. correct. Yeah. But he points out, this is a kid who was born to be a left tackle in the NFL. Born to it. it. That piece made me want to, Danny, take arm measurements and throw them into the sun. Just like, who cares about any freaking arm measurements? Don't miss out on the kid who was born to do this and has been great his entire life at it. So there's a couple of things there. One, it is very on brand for you to say, I read a piece... <laughs> On a player yeah. where the author admits to being biased, uh-huh. and I need to get that kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that, 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 is, that is very on brand. Sure. Um, but you know these people who are born to do something and are dedicated to it, and this is what they want to do, and, they've, and, and they're going to be great at it. They're just going to be. So that's the second part of it, is you might be right, and Dan might be right, that he was born to do it and he's going to be great at it. Mm-hmm. But that might not mean it makes any sense for the Bears to draft him. Why? Because of where they're drafting. Oh, no, yeah, not where they're drafting. But if they trade down once 
and they go to seven, or they trade down twice and they go to eight, um, as they, they did in the Athletics mock draft the other day, grabbing a franchise left tackle to be Justin Fields' left tackle at seven or eight and acquiring a whole bunch of draft stuff sounds great to me. Yeah, I agree. Yes, if, if he is a 10-year left tackle and you trade down and get a bunch of extra assets mm-hmm. and he can play right away, that all sounds amazing. Uh, we had him on when you were, you were out. It was one of the – I mean, you've only missed, like, a few dozen shows. We're but, Spinks. Uh, <laughs> when, 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 you, when you were out one of the times when Aunt Heron was in – Yeah, I missed Peter. We, we had him on – and you talk about being born to do it and the family history, you know, we like, okay, you know, Maine South kid, are you, you grew up a Bears fan, Peter, even though we knew who your grandfather was? I'm not a Bears fan. Um, this is a little bit controversial, I know, being from Chicago. So my grandfather actually played for the Green Bay Packers. So under Lombardi. So I've always been a Packers fan, despite growing up in Chicago. Well, you know, I, I was reading about that. Your grand. Uh, Bob Skaronsky, right? So he he won five championships with the Packers, including Correct. Super Bowl one and two. That's that's a good reason to be yeah. a Packers fan. What, what was your like? Did, did you hear Ice Bowl stories? What was your relationship like with him? We have a great relationship. Yeah, unfortunately, he's passed on. Um, I've been gone for a few years now, but um, you know, yeah, like I'm not some kid who grew up in Chicago and just decided he didn't like the Bears and rooted for Green Bay. I actually have a very valid reason to root for them. Um, it's so cool having someone like that in your family, just hearing his stories and stuff like that. Um, you know, he was a pretty quiet guy, so he wasn't always talking about those types of things. But, of course, I was always obsessed with it. So I go back and watch like his old films and stuff of the Ice Bowl, or like the old documentaries about that stuff. Just cool. And, yeah, you know, that you know the Packers and in general are just a, a big part of my family and who I am. It's just what happened when I was born, I guess, was always supposed to be a Packers fan, at least growing up. I have a ton of respect for the Bears, you know. Obviously, growing up, being a Packers fan, I wasn't a huge Bears guy. But, you know, I've, I've been in this city my whole life. I played football here in college. I know how great of a fan base the Bears have. You know, obviously, they've got a great quarterback now. You know, it, it would be a dream to be to stay home and play in my own city and play for, play for that franchise if it came to that. So, obviously, you know, I'm not going to be some Packers fan. Like, oh, I won't play for them. Obviously, it'd be an honor to, you know, play for that franchise for sure. We could turn him. We could turn him in this town, man. The paycheck would turn him. Uh, the paycheck would turn him right away. Yeah. But, but you know, eight, nine years, ten years of NFL success as a Bears tackle, he'd, he'd be a Bears fan. His kids- I like how at the end he was like, just wanted to like, be sure we understood that, you know, he wouldn't be one of those guys who would refuse to play for the Bears. <laughs> like, like Eli Manning refusing to play for the Chargers. Could you imagine? Oh, God. <laughs> He's like, a tackle with- holding out. The Bears trade to the ninth pick, and Peter Skaronsky refuses to put on the hat. <laughs> as, as, the, as the Chicago kid, he's like, no, I'm too big of a Packers fan. It would be the greatest meatball story ever. I mean, that would program content at this radio station oh for a decade. <laughs> it would be the greatest thing ever. I'm now kind of secretly rooting for that. I can't do it. I can't I can't, I can't turn my orange. back on the back on the Packers. Trade me. Trade me or I'm quitting the game. Um, it, there, there's an anecdote in, in here in the, uh, in the Pompeii piece about when Peter was in eighth grade and was playing eighth grade football. Uh, his grandfather attended one of the games. He watched six plays and he turned to his son, Peter's dad, and said, that's a Big Ten tackle right there. Like six plays. He watches like, oh, well, this kid's got it. He shows up at Maine East in high school. And like as a sophomore, he's the best player in the conference. Like everywhere he's gone, 
He's been great. Every time he's been the, the, the tackle, he's been great. And, and so bank on that. Your stupid arm measurements. Well, let's talk about the arm measurements thing. You say stupid arm measurements. Yeah. Okay. You don't consider Dave Wanstead to be a stupid man. No, I don't. We asked Dave Wanstead because that's the thing on Skaronsky. Some people think he's a guard or some people think he might struggle at tackle at the next level, even though his tape is very fundamentally sound because he doesn't have freakishly long uh, arms, which you would like uh, for a tackle in the NFL. Here's Wanstead on whether or not it matters. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I think there is something to that uh, because the real key is getting your hands on the defender before he gets his hands on you. Uh, 100%. I think there's something to that. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't stand here and say, uh, you know, that, that a certain length of the arm, you know, 38 or whatever it might be. Uh, but I do believe that having range is an advantage for an offensive tackle, getting his hands on the guy he's blocking. Any offensive lineman is that way. I think right across the board. And I think, Cat or Olin or any of those guys would agree with me. And well, maybe not Patrick Manley, but any of the guys, you know, the offensive linemen. Well, you know, Peter Skaronsky's arms are apparently 33 inches or maybe even a little bit less. If he's a textbook killer at left tackle, who's been great at every level and yeah. is and is certainly the number one, but the arms are short, do you does he slide down your draft board? Well, you know, a, a lot has to do with his, the set, you know, how quick he sets his feet and gets his hands up. Uh, obviously, he's a smart guy. You know, last year it was Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett couldn't play because his hands weren't big enough. I mean, his hands were as big as Russell Wilson's and a lot of the quarterbacks play in the league, but, you know, they weren't Ben Roethlisberger. So people were questioning, could he be a quarterback in the NFL? I think he's, you know, he's proven that uh, – yeah, does it help a little bit? I think when you're playing in wet conditions and you're trying to grip the ball, uh, to have, you know, Troy Aikman had huge hands, Brett Favre, so forth, absolutely. But does it eliminate you from being a really good player? No. And I would, I would, I think I would look at the offensive line the same way. So that's Wani. I thought that's really interesting because I'm sure that Peter is well schooled in some of the ways to make up for his relatively shorter arms like how quick you get out of your set you know um and 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 how you can think about it in those kind of ways yeah well he he is and his tape is very impressive and obviously he's been successful at every level of football that he's played including a pretty high level of big 10 football again when he was on with me and big aunt heron uh asked him about this line of questioning beginning with what position he thought he was at the NFL guard or tackle. Uh, yeah, that definitely won't be the, the last time I hear that question. Um, you know, I think I – well, first first and foremost, I'll play anywhere where anyone asks me to play. Um, so if that's guard or center that's tackle, I'll, I'll play it, whatever. You know, I do think that I can play tackle in the NFL. Um, you know, I think I proved that in college with my tape. Um, I don't really care about, you know, the whole arm thing. I think I can overcome that and do just fine. Um, and all the, all the people that I respect in terms of – Opinions on offensive line think the same thing. So I think I can play tackle, but, you know, I'll play wherever wherever people will want me to play. So That's such a weird thing to me. And listen, I mean, if you saw it, I looked like obviously I'm the furthest thing ever from an offensive lineman. But it's like you go through an entire couple of seasons dominating at tackle in the Big Ten, and then they're like, yeah, if his arms were two inches longer, he'd be able to do it at the next one. Like that, that seems ridiculous to me. Does it to you? 
Yeah, you know, I was I didn't even really know that my arm length was an issue until I had kind of heard rumblings about playing at the next level. So I didn't even realize it was a thing. Um, one thing that, you know, Duke, who I train with, he points out, is that no one really seems to have an answer for guys who have long arms who can't play. You know, one really seems to have an explanation for that. Um, I just feel like I have proved that I can play regardless of arm length. So it is what it is. I don't really control the opinion on that, but oh well. So, so that's Peter Skaronsky with us. He's well-versed in it. I think he answers it well. But – if you've got a general manager who goes by the combine measurements, uh-huh. he would be an outlier. He'd be a pretty significant outlier. Shane found a list of tackles in the NFL. You said a little under 32 inches, right? Yeah, yeah. Peter, no, Peter's arms are either at 32 inches or 32 and a quarter. I've seen both of those. Okay. So it's 32 and a quarter. Uh, at the high end so far, but he'll get measured again at the combine. So average seems to be 34 inches. Trent Williams, 34 and a quarter. David Bakhtiari, 34. Yep. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, 35. Tristan Wirfs, 34. Jack Conklin, 35. Uh-huh. Taylor Decker, 33.75. Uh, Eric Fisher, 34 and a half. Uh, Rashawn Slater, 33. See, there you go. There's Rashawn Slater, 33. Keep going. Look at the one at 32 and change if we're looking at the same list. Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins at 32.88. That's fascinating. Remember all those conversations we had with Mark Grody and others? What's his tragic flaw? Why don't they want him at tackle? What what is the deal? I I, I don't know. Anybody ever ask Ryan Poles about Tevin Jenkins' arm length? That's something we should actually search. That's interesting to me. Yeah, so I don't. I, I will be surprised if the Bears trade down to draft Skaronsky with the possibility of him going to guard. I will be surprised by it. Though they've got to be sold on him as a tackle. They, they 100% have to be sold on him as a tackle to, to take him. Um, there. But based I, on I totally this list, agree. he would be an outlier. I mean, there's 25 or 30 tackles yeah, I know. on this list, and there's no one – I mean, 30 – 32 and a half, Jackson Carmen. Mm-hmm. 32 and a quarter, Brady Christensen. So not household names. Braden Smith. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't think. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll be feverishly awaiting the arm length measurements at the well, combine. No, it's, it's, it's silly, though, right? Because you ha- I, I believe what I said to Skaronsky, I wasn't just saying because he was on the air. Like, if you have film. Uh-huh. Of him going up against NFL caliber prospects, like he told us, the best player he played against was Aiden Hutchinson. I think mean, pretty good player. Yeah, uh, you know, like if you, so if you have film of him going up against uh, NFL caliber edge rushers and he's holding his own, I don't really think two inches should make a difference as long as you have a way to coach around somewhat shorter arms. Yeah, and as a texter points out. Uh, T Rexes, apex predators, could be could be fairly dangerous <laughs> yeah. animals. That's a good point. Good. I hadn't considered point. it, Danny. Um, I officially have a dream. Um, because I have been sold. I, I have been sold by this piece, and I've been sold by the thought process. And my dream officially now. I want to get on record here right now at three nineteen towards the end of today's edition of Paul's position. I want the Bears to trade down a couple of times. Go ahead and take Peter Skaronsky as the franchise left tackle. And with one of those added early second round picks that they get with all the capital they pick up, I want them to draft John Michael Schmintz 
from Minnesota. So they're getting a great center and a great left tackle for Justin Fields in this same draft and using all the other capital that they get to fill other needs and load up. I have decided that is what I want out of this draft. Man, you just, you're a beautiful specimen. <laughs> the combine hasn't happened. Not, I don't care. The combine is the underwear Olympics. Look at the tape. Scout the people. Oh, Scout no, the I know, people. I know you're, 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 a, you're, a big, you're a big tape watcher. Well. Yeah, you, you, you grind Big Ten football tape. I, I know. You were watching Minnesota go for tape all day. I know. Trust the people that grind the tape, okay? okay. That's <laughs> okay. what I'm saying. Or, or you want to trust the people that dissect the underwear Olympics? You want to draft another Mike Mamula? Is that what you want? I think it all factors in. I think it all fa- – you do interviews with these people. Yes. You bring them, you bring them into your facility. Yes. That's part of, it's part of scouting the, pl- the people. I, 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 think, I think Schmitz and Skaronsky are going to nail their interviews. Okay. Nail it. A real quick question on length um, or clarification, I guess. I've been told with people who have knowledge of the situation that an extra two inches does matter. But also, where are we measuring from? Are we going to the armpit? Are we starting at the shoulder? How far back can you push to start measuring? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Everyone has different measuring techniques, and it depends on who you're talking to. And is it metric? Are we doing inches? Oh, no, it's definitely inches. Flaccid? Or- Use your imagination, and you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you heard the rumors about him, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah really? that's less talking about his penis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure is. Play it it at did not the, matter where you measured from. Played at the funeral. Very awkward. <laughs> was it really? That was in the production piece. Oh, yeah. man. I was like, oh, no, it's coming up. Here we go. <laughs> Tandy, I, Speaks was on vacation again <laughs> during the funeral, so he yeah. Yeah. Yeah, didn't hear it. I watched it. I, yeah. I, I watched, it. watched the uh, the live stream. The that Zoom. was big of you. The Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> not saying. <laughs> I sacrificed. Good. One yeah, hour. Good. I pulled up to the pool bar and I got a spotty internet reception with a daiquiri in hand. Daiquiri. Who, who do you think I am, sir? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the so Chiefs that... have officially promoted Matt Nagy to be their offensive coordinator. Oh, boy. congratulations. Oh, uh, so, mistakes. I mean, <laughs> he won't be doing anything because Andy Reid will call all the plays, but he'll have a real nice title. In Kansas City, yeah, he will. Yeah, well, he's he's lining up to uh, to get another chance and drag down another organization. I get no Ron Coomer will join us at four o'clock. That's very exciting. Don Cooper will join us at five twenty-five. That's also very exciting. But honestly, months and months and months and months has led up to this moment where Richard Roper. One of the most famous film critics of all time, Sun Times, ABC Seven. He will join us to review cocaine. They are a Richard Roper. Uh huh. Michael Phillips is a. Yep. I like Gene Siskel. Whatever. Give me something good, Lloyd. First draft of my letter to one Richard E. Roper, reviewing him personally. His clothes, his hair, his nasally Midwestern twang. Scoot Chicago. Attention, everyone, please listen up. No one mentioned Richard Roper again. Not today, not ever. The next person to mention Richard Roper will be fired. And Lloyd, you will also be fired if you don't answer phone. A bear did cocaine. Cocaine bear. Only in theaters. Yes, we will talk baseball with Ron Coomer from Cubs camp in 30 minutes. But it's all been leading up to this. 
since we first heard about this movie. We first saw a poster, the concept, read about the story, read about the store in Kentucky with a stuffed cocaine bear. The whole thing was so ridiculous, we didn't even believe it was real. Elizabeth Banks is directing it, and now it's here, and it's glorious, and it's real. And Richard Roper, one of the most famous film critics ever, friend of the show, he's at the Sun-Times and ABC7. He has seen the aforementioned cocaine bear, and he's here to talk about it in all of its glory on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Richard, thank you for the time, sir. How are you doing today? I'm just coming down. From the cocaine bear, hi guys. I'm just coming down. Yeah. Was it everything you expected, Richard? The high? Yeah. You know, guys. I think not since Snakes on a Plane have we had a movie title that tells you so accurately what the movie's about. Remember when Snakes on a Plane came out and people told me, "What's it about?" I'd say, "Well, you know, there's a plane." <laughs> And there's snakes on the plane. And for Cocaine Bear, there's a bear, and he's on the coke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a perfect comp. Uh, I, I, I used Con Air yesterday. It was like, okay, I get it. There's convicts in the sky. Uh, but you're right. This is even more direct. Is there a moment so glorious and hilarious as uh, snakes on a plane? Get these mother bleeping snakes off this mother bleeping plane. There is, and, and some of the great things about this is, you know, you mentioned Elizabeth Banks directing it, and I give her credit because she just leans into it. If you're going to do a movie about a cocaine bear, and we can talk a little bit in a second about how, it, as you mentioned, it's inspired by two events, but it's almost all fiction, guys. But, you, you know, do it all the way. So very early in the movie, two 13-year-old kids, the movie set in 1985, two 13-year-old kids in the woods, and they come across a brick of coke, and what do they decide to do? Eat some. Yeah. And the the kids become kind of the uh, unlikely stars of the movie. Let's just say when a thirteen year old and they have no idea what they're doing. And you know, I, I, listen, I don't think we need to say just say no. I think people first of all don't take your your youngsters to see this movie. But the kids are then amped up by the cocaine as they're running away from the cocaine bear. And the dialogue is hard R rated. The violence is great. Um, there are many moments in which various parts of bodies are separated from their owners by the cocaine bear. You know, it's interesting. Con Air, I think, was trying to take itself seriously, right? And it was just so wonderfully fun, bad that it cha- it crossed over. I think it's my favorite fun, bad movie of all time. I understand. Like, I like to watch Speed. I like to hate watch the movie Speed sometimes. And I just think it's it's brilliantly f- uh, fun, bad on, on some level. We we thought it was so great yeah. at the time, but this one, do they achieve like the fun, bad, or like that level? When they actually know that's what they're going for. That's its own trick as a director, isn't it? It's not an easy thing to do. And I think one of the indications that, you know, the script is really funny and and very dark, too, is that you look at the cast for this movie, guys. You've got, you know, Carrie Russell's in there. Uh, the late Ray Liotta, this is his last movie. O'Shea Jackson Jr., Isaiah Whitlock. I mean, these are, you know, Margot Martindale is one of the best actors out there. Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. So it's kind of a top-level cast in this movie. And I don't want to say the performances are campy, but they know what the material is. They're camping near campy with their performances, you know. And the Bears, man, the Bears unbelievable. I mean, the Bears is a talented performer, uh, really knows its place, you know. I, I, I liken the Bear and Cocaine Bear guys to the – to the shark in Jaws. The shark in Jaws doesn't know it's the villain of that movie. That The shark thinks it's the hero of a movie about a shark that needs to eat. 
And the bear doesn't know it's a villain. The bear's just living its best bear life when this cocaine gets dropped into the woods. It's not the bear's fault that the bear then wants more. You know. I love an addictive substance. That makes sense. Sure, like the bear, bear. the bear thinks it's in the bear version of the Hangover. You know, it's just like exactly the bear. Exactly, the bear's out for a good time. You know, and if there's some snacking to be had along the way, that's fine. So you know, again, going and here's the other good thing too. It's 90 minutes, guys. Maybe 95 minutes because that's enough time you're going to spend with a cocaine bear. You know, you don't need a. Uh, it doesn't need to be as long as Godfather 2. There's not that much backstory or layered, you know, st- you know plot points that need to come in. This basically everybody go- who goes into the woods is a 10 to 1 underdog against the bear going in. I cannot wait to see this movie. I'm so excited. Richard Roper breaking down uh, Cocaine Bear with all of the passion that we need. Is so Ray Liotta, is he is he good? Is it awesome to see him? It's it's weirdly fitting that it's his last role on some level. Well, and you know, I loved him. He was he was a great guy. I got a chance to meet him a few times over the years, guys, and he was he was nothing like a lot of the characters he played, you know. But there's something kind of and he play he's the true villain of this movie. He's the drug kingpin whose stash gets dropped into the forest and then sends his minions and his son to go get it. But it is kind of there's a certain kind of irony here because Finally, Ray Liotta is in a movie with more cocaine than Goodfellas. And it took this long for yes. that to happen. Oh, it's so tremendous. You know, Richard, we've um, we've had a dream to do a screening for Cocaine Bear and bring a bunch of, uh, you know, probably fake cocaine, um, but bring an actual bear as well. We haven't been able to convince Dave Wanstead or Patrick Manley to do this um, with us. But uh, do you have any... Any thoughts on that? Would you come to our screening, uh, and would you help you know, us promote the event? Yes, because I think you need to see this multiple times to really absorb everything that's <laughs> happening. Like you know, like the great Scorsese films. You know, you guys mentioned the real bear is stuffed, and it's in a Kentucky mall, which is kind of sad, actually. You know, and they put it. But even I think more egregious is they sell cocaine bear souvenirs. Now, who are those for? Are they for animal lovers? Are they for the kids? And they even sell, and this is probably a copyright infringement, they sell T-shirts and hats that have the exact Chicago Bears logo. But instead of Chicago Bears, it says Cocaine Bears. Oh, no. I mean, I need one right now. Who is it for? You're talking to it. (laughs) Because what if you're, like, okay, you're in line at your local donut shop or you're out at the ball game, and the guy next to you, you're going, oh, fellow Bears fan. And then you look close and realize he's wearing a Cocaine Bear hat. Oh. What, what, is, what is he saying to the world? Oh my God! I see it right now. It's the it's see the it? it's the font. It's the exact it's the font. correct yeah. font for bear in the colors, and it says. Cocaine. Can you order it online? Oh yes. Oh, Send yes. me the link. I will. I will. That 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 is remarkable. We need those for our screening. We need fifty of those to hand out to our bear fan listeners. Oh, is that good? Oh All right. Gosh. So just y- yes or no, Richard Roper is Cocaine Bear a good movie? Yeah, I gave it three stars in the Sun Times, guys. Because again, you know, here's the other thing too. Because it's set in the time period that the actual stuff happened, the mid '80s. It's got a bunch of great 1980s hits on the soundtrack, and it has the look actually of those 1980s horror films, like the early Friday the 13th and Halloween films. Not done on huge budgets. You know, there's a certain kind of style. The cars, the clothes, and everything. And then, of course, people can't call for help on the cell phone because it's set in the '80s. So once you're out in the woods with the bear 
it's not a level playing field. You know, it's a, it's home field for the bear. Oh yeah. Everybody going into the woods is a 10 to one underdog is a fabulous line from, uh, from Richard <laughs> Roper. Elizabeth Banks is worried. She thinks this might be a possible career ender. I hope not. It sounds like she really took uh, big swings. So good for you her. You know, I, I love her, but Elizabeth Banks directed the last Charlie's Angels movie and survived that, so she'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is Citizen Kane compared to that film, guys. How are you feeling about your White Sox this year? Oh, they're fun. They never have anything off the field to distract us. That's the great thing about the White Sox, right? You yeah. know, organizationally, listen, I, I, you guys know me. I am that White Sox fan when it comes to it's almost March. I look at the young talent. I say, if we stay healthy, if the pitching, you know, if guys like Kopech can, you know, stay on the mound, Dylan Cease is one of the top five picture, pitchers in the league. So I still have that hope, guys. Call me crazy, but I still have that hope. And that's what it's for, Richard. That's why the Lord invented spring training and his infinite wisdom. So, so we all emerge from the frost with a, a little positivity against uh, our better intellects, even. I mean, I have hope. Yasmani Grandal will realize the bat can come off the shoulder and go across the plate. <laughs> Things like this, guys. <laughs> These are big, bold dreams, Richard Roper. <laughs> I, I just out of curiosity why we have you here, um, g- give us one or two of your favorite baseball movies of all time. Just your personal favorites. There's a million that could be up there, but just what do you love as a baseball and a movie guy? Well, you know, first of all, I love Eight Men Out, even though it is about the darkest chapter in White Sox history, because it really gets the game, you know, and the guys who played the players, I thought really did a good job. You know, you believe them on the field, guys. And I'm a sucker for The Natural, which is one of the corniest and most sentimental baseball movies. But I think in a large part, I mean, Redford and the cast is great, but also mm-hmm. that Randy Newman music. Come on, guys. Every time, you know, it just gets you. It just, when he strikes out the whammer, that's like one of my favorite baseball movie scenes of all time. Yeah, and The Natural partially based on a true story that happened in Chicago. Eddie Waitkus, the uh, the first yeah. baseman for the Phillies who uh, who was shot um, in, in that the Edgewater Hotel in in Chicago. So there's yeah, yeah. There, there's 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 some uh, some local bases for it too. Good stuff. Richard, thank you so much for the time, and uh, you've only made us more excited to see Cocaine Bear as a show, which I didn't think was possible. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right, anytime, guys. Danny, um, fun fact: Do you know what happens at the end of the book, The Natural, by uh, Bernard I, Malamud? I don't. He strikes out. Oh. The end of the book, he strikes out. It's not what happens in the movie. True yeah. enough. Nice. Rudy didn't really get a sack either. It's okay. He was, he was also re- a cheater. Who, Rudy? Yeah, he cheated on all his tests. Did, is that he true? really? Yeah, he's a bad dude. Oh, come on. Is he the really? real Rudy is a bad dude, not Sean Astin. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we all saw the movie. I, I knew there was some controversy around the real Rudy Rudiger, but I didn't realize he was a bad dude. Dude, I, I went that. to Holy Cross for a year. That was the first college I went to, and there were professors when I was there that, that taught him back when it was a community college. He was a bad dude. Wow. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. There's my sports thought of the day. To yeah. get into Notre Dame. He cheated wow. on tests all the time. Oh, man. It's too right. bad. I hope, uh, I hope Vince Vaughn didn't cheat as well. Here comes the cease and desist for defamation. <laughs> Dylan Allegedly. Cease and his sis are not coming anywhere near this show. Okay? Don't you worry. We would have heard by now about Dylan Cease and his sis. Maybe. Ron, Ron Coomer from Cubs Camp coming up at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. There is an out-of-town sports team that is doing it the right way. 
that I feel like we should all be rooting for to succeed. It's next on The Score. Philly going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go, goose. That's what's in. Bryce gonna lose, and Manny's gonna cruise. That's what's in. We'll talk to Ron Coomer at 4 o'clock. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Camps are open. Spring training baseball is happening today. The Chicago clubs open tomorrow. Little baseball news. Eloy is your right fielder Dude. for White Sox game one tomorrow. Shane the other day set that over under at 30 starts in right field for Eloy Jimenez. And I think everybody went under. Or did you set it at 30? I said it. You said okay. it. Yeah, Danny yeah. Parkin said it at 30. And then we all went under. I think Tanny said it. Uh, yeah, Tanny and Chris, they That's collaborated right. uh, to both set it. This we is... just hired a young man from the Ohio State University. Kevin Lapka is his name. He said it. He's the one who said it. And, dude, I, th- this has to be Pedro Grafol throwing Eloy a bone here up front. Like, oh, you, know, you look good, man. You want to play right field? Of course. Absolutely. And we'll see. We'll see how he looks. See we'll how see he looks. how it looks. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about the Padres briefly. We'll get to Manny Machado in a second. But I was reading the Washington Post, as I, as I do every day, and Chelsea James had his column about what the Padres uh, have been doing. And we've talked about that they are the, the, the market, the, the example, the shining beacon of small market ownership, right? And they are maybe the greatest example in professional sports of ownership mattering. And she just had some data here that I thought was worthwhile. So they are officially going to be a contributor to the revenue sharing pool. Right, they've got a payroll of over two hundred and seventy million dollars. But Seidler, their uh, their owner, yeah, right? P- Peter Seidler, Peter Seidler, who so is they, he's, t- he's going after Los Angeles, wants to own Southern California. Good luck, Peter. Well, they out they are outspending the Dodgers as of right now. <laughs> They're the first small market team to rank in the top five of payroll since twenty fifteen. In the 20 years before Seidler took over majority ownership of the team in 2020, the Padres never saw their payroll climb above 17th in the sport. By the end of last year, they were firmly in the top five. To put it into even smaller context and how it's actually working, 10 years ago, he was a minority owner of the team. Their highest paid player, Carlos Quinton, huh. making less than $10 million a year. They drew 2.1 million fans. Last year, they drew 2.9 million fans behind only the Yankees, Dodgers, Cardinals, and Braves, and they now have a season ticket waiting list. Man. Think, and so it's so they went for in, yeah. in a decade, and yes, with him taking over as principal owner, he just decided to spend the money that is generated from baseball, reinvest it into the team. Attendance grew 800,000 people in San Diego. They have the third highest payroll in baseball. They're one of the favorites to win the World Series with one of the best rosters. And he is openly saying that if Manny Machado opts out, he will still try to re-sign him. Here's Machado talking about that decision. At the end of the day, sometimes it's business is business, you know. And the market's changed in five yeah, years. It you know, it, it really year. in one year has <laughs> yeah. changed. I mean, you you see it in life. You see it in in, in real in the real world. Let, let's let's take away baseball, right? Sure. I mean. The price change. of eggs is <laughs> how much? Things yeah, have changed. Price yeah. of eggs goes you know? up. Price of Manny Machado. I mean, goes it's up. just. It's, 
<laughs> not in that way, but it's just, you know, it's, it's just life, you know, things change, uh, a lot of things change, and, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, the, the market's changed, right? How cool is that, man? Like, their owner mm-hmm. signs this player who's saying, hey, you guys got to pay a lot of money for eggs, I got to pay a lot of money for eggs, too, so I'm opting out of $30 million per year because I can get more, it's just how it goes. Mm. And his owner doesn't balk. Yeah, no, he's the owner gets it. And the owner is playing the game better than just about every owner in baseball, and I include Steve Cohen. Because look what they're doing. You know, when, uh, when they gave Xander Bogarts 11 years at $280 million, uh, people realized, oh, they're spreading it out to circumvent the competitive balance tax, but they don't really care about the dollars part of it because they can bank on the income, which is the, re- the way you ought to be thinking about it and structuring it. Do you see the contract they gave you, Darvish, about a month ago? You, Darvish, signed an extension that will pay him until he's 42 years old, a six-year, $108 million extension. His number in, in San Diego that counts against towards the competitive balance tax is 18 million. It's $3 million lower than it would have been. He signed this massive extension that spreads out his money for six years and lowered the tax damage immediately as well as every year thereafter. On the books, he's making $30 million this year. He's only making 14 million in 2028. So this guy is is careening towards you know, NHL-style contracts that go into a player's 40s, whether they play or not, he's throwing money at them in a the long term while he's playing the game of the competitive balance tax the whole way, banking on the income that we all know is there, but most ownership denies is there. Everyone should be rooting for it to work, like in terms of having a banner. Because there's questions in the in Chelsea James quotes executives, some on the record, some not. You know, like we're watching, we're going to see how it works. The Rob Manfred said into a microphone, like we'll see how long, how sustainable it, how long they're going to do it for. Yeah, you know, like so like there's some people that think he's going to try to buy a World Series and and then be done. He doesn't seem to buy that at all. He's talked about wanting to be just a model franchise that players want to play and Mm. and invest in a good product. And if you do it year over year over year, the fan base will grow, grow, and grow, and your business will grow, grow, and grow. Well, that's doing this to lose money. Well, that's hopeful because the guy that Wani mentioned sometimes because he owned the Dolphins when he was there, Wayne Huizenga. What Wayne Huizenga did with the Marlins. Remember, yep. he, he like bought the Marlins, went crazy in free agency. They won a title and blew it up immediately, traded everybody away. And it's like, was that worth it? And then the Marlins were back into the doldrums for, for a long time. And now they have, have had to reinvent themselves multiple times since then. So I hope that Seidler is on to something here and spreading out his money and willing to keep reinvesting. And we'll see if it can work. Some teams can do it. The Yankees do it. The Yankees' payroll is consistently in the top five year after year after year, and as long as they draft well and make a few you know, well-thought-out trades and spend that free agent money mostly wisely, they can maintain. Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners have done a great job at that. Yeah, but the point is, right, that it's a team – this is more hope for a team like the White Sox or the Brewers. Absolutely. Or the A's or the Pirates or the Twins. Well, the revenue-sharing money is the same, as we know. I mean, the Yankees do have their network, obviously, which is a big, big deal. Yeah, the local TV revenue yes. that they get from Yes Network, which these, uh, which is the disparity. But it's just – so the ability for him to do it in that market with those local media revenues mm-hmm. is if, – if you want the health of baseball – to be a little bit less, you know, have and have nots, willing to and willing not to. Like, you you need someone to act, not just Billy Bean in and have a movie made about him. Like, 
this guy to say, we won, my players get rings, yeah. I'm going to keep doing it, and I made money doing it this hey, man, way. It, it's really cool, and it, the, it's a great city to live in and visit. As our texter Jerry in South Bend points out, Petco is a wonderful game day experience out there as well. So they've got a lot of things going for them. Jerry, I know, I think he's getting on a flight today. He's headed out to uh, Arizona to go see the White Sox opener tomorrow. So game on. Spring training. Baseball's in the air, Danny. So we go to Arizona. We'll beat him there because we just have to make a phone call to Ron Coomer. What's he seeing and hearing at Cubs camp? Next on The Score. Well, T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.